Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Jonathan Strickland. I happen to be an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I also happen to love all things tech. And this is the tech news for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Yes, it is 420, a number that has significance for some reason. I wouldn't know, as I am a boring old person. No, I mean, I know why the number has significance. I just, you know, again, the boring old person is absolutely true. I will also say, though, that I have enjoyed a dose of something recently, that being the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. I got the first dose a few weeks ago. Turned out that that's the only way they would give it to me. I had to take the first dose and then the second dose. I tried to convince them to reverse that, and they said it doesn't work that way. I will say also that the shot itself wasn't bad at all. Uh, It did make my arm really sore both times, and the second time I felt a little icky the evening after I got my shot. I got my shot in the afternoon. By that evening, I wasn't feeling so great. Next day, felt great. The next day, I did not feel great. So it was a real up and down. But I have received both of those shots. In a couple of weeks, I should be fully vaccinated. I'll still be wearing a mask. I'll still be socially distancing because I want to be as safe as possible, not just for myself, but for others in my community and their loved ones. And I urge all of those listening who have the opportunity to get vaccinated to do so. Uh, I realize it can be difficult depending on where you are. It was a bit of a challenge here in Georgia, if I'm being honest. We are a state that is still struggling to get up to speed with the rest of the U.S. But I like being able to see light at the end of the tunnel. Stay safe. The more we do that, the fewer variants we will see and the better chance we'll have of establishing a normal that doesn't involve everybody staying at home all the time. All right, got all that out of the way. Let's move on to some tech news. My top story is that Ingenuity, aka the little experimental drone helicopter that could, has taken its first flight on Mars. This was the high-risk experiment, meaning that there was never any guarantee of success, The engineers here on Earth could only try and design an autonomous flying vehicle and hope that it would work in Mars's thin atmosphere. And it did work. This is incredibly exciting news, at least to me, and I assume for at least some of you out there as well. Because of the distance between Earth and Mars, Ingenuity had actually made its flight and landed several minutes before we knew about it. It takes time for signals to travel that much distance between Earth and Mars, and so Earth celebrated hearing about it around 6.46 in the morning Eastern Time, but Ingenuity had technically set its feet down on the soil for more than 10 minutes. The delay in signals means that it is impossible for a human pilot to guide Ingenuity. There's just a 10-minute lag is just way too much, and that's why it has to be an autonomous device. Ingenuity spun its rotors at around 2,400 revolutions per minute. Helicopters back here on Earth average out at around 400 to 500 RPM. And that was just to generate enough lift to carry this very light device through the thin Martian atmosphere. The flight lasted about 39.1 seconds. It reached an altitude of around 10 feet, or 3 meters, 
and NASA may conduct as many as four additional test flights if Ingenuity is up for it. The Little Chopper hitched a ride with the rover Perseverance, but unlike the rover, Ingenuity isn't carrying any scientific equipment. It has a camera, so it can take, you know, pictures, and it has the sensors it needs to achieve flight and maintain flight, but that's about it. So this is really the beginning of something really exciting. It means that NASA and other space agencies could potentially design other autonomous aircraft that can perform actual scientific observations in Martian atmosphere down the road, which is pretty darn neat if you ask me. Over the weekend, a couple of cryptocurrency stories led to Bitcoin's value dropping fairly quickly. Looks like I picked the wrong week to invest in cryptocurrencies. Now, for one, the nation of Turkey has banned crypto payments, arguing that cryptocurrency represents possible transaction risks and could lead to irreparable damage. As such, the country's government forbids the use of cryptocurrencies to pay for goods or services in the country of Turkey. The lack of regulation was really the big sticking factor, apparently, and I have some thoughts on this. Now, it's no secret that I think Bitcoin is a pretty lousy currency because the value of the coin is so volatile. It would be like waking up to find that one day a dollar bill could buy you a candy bar. And the next day you find out that dollar bill could buy you a dozen candy bars. And maybe in a year or two, that dollar bill would be able to buy you an entire candy store, all with just one dollar. The dollar didn't change, its, its purchasing value changed. But this is an issue that could potentially work out much further down the road in the future, should the value of Bitcoin stabilize. And there's no reason that you'd ever use a single Bitcoin for a purchase. You're far more likely to use just a tiny fraction of a Bitcoin to do it. In fact, the vast majority of Bitcoin owners don't own a whole Bitcoin. Anyway, that's a different matter than to suggest that the transactions themselves are risky. And I know I've talked about Bitcoin exclusively, but this really applies to all cryptocurrencies. They just aren't all as volatile or valued as Bitcoin happens to be. I would say that the blockchain approach is actually very much not risky. I would argue it's incredibly stable and visible. I suppose you could argue that it would be risky if, for whatever reason, the value of the coin drops drastically, but that can happen with fiat currencies. It can happen with anything. So this move seems a bit disingenuous to me. Maybe it's more that if it's outside the control of the government, it's scary, that kind of thing. After the announcement, Bitcoin's value took a hit and it dropped about 4% in value. However, it was still above $60,000 for the moment. Now that leads to the next story because I mean it got worse for Bitcoin. On Saturday, it dropped again in value. A massive amount of Bitcoin was sold off and that meant that there was a flood of Bitcoins into the market and that dropped the value of Bitcoin compared to the US dollar. Now it's a basic supply and demand thing, when supply ends up suddenly increasing, then you typically see the price drop because the demand is now overshadowed by supply. So now that $65,000 Bitcoin is down to about $56,000. It's a $9,000 drop. Uh, I'm using estimates because the value changes so much. And a $9,000 drop is a lot of money. 
but $56,000 is a lot of money. However, it means that if you were someone who had been investing in Bitcoin just as it was hitting $65,000, now you would see the value of that investment has just dropped a pretty significant amount. Some outlets have used the word plunge to describe Bitcoin's value, but I think that's a bit too alarmist and extreme. So you might ask, why was there this big flood of Bitcoins sold back into the market? Why were they converted over? Well, the the answer for that is not entirely clear, but there are a few theories. And one is that investors who were attempting to buy Bitcoin on margin had their margin called. Buying on margin is when an investor puts up some money as collateral for a loan of more money in order to make an investment. So for example, let's say I wanted to invest $10,000 in Bitcoin, but I've only scraped together $5,000. Well, I could buy on margin by putting up my five grand as collateral and then getting a loan for the $10,000, which then I put into Bitcoin. But the lender at any time could end up calling my margin and they demand I repay their loan of $10,000. Now that $5,000 collateral will go to some of that, but I have to cover the rest. And if the price of Bitcoin has dropped significantly, it would mean that I'm out a good deal of money. So sometimes people who lend on margin are asking for the payment back if they perceive a drop in value. So in other words, Turkey says, we don't want to use cryptocurrency in our country. Bitcoin's value takes a hit. The lenders say, I don't want to lose money on this, so I'm going to call in my margins now. And then you have a bunch of investors who are selling off Bitcoin in order to cover their margin uh, and not to lose too much money. That would in turn mean that you get this flood of Bitcoins hitting the market and the value could take another hit, dropping like 15% instead of just 4%. But that's just one possible theory. Another is that it may be that a couple of major cryptocurrency owners, which the the community tends to refer to as whales, uh, sold off a lot of coin in the hope of making that price drop. And here's the logic behind that. Okay, you are a fat cat whale, which I realize is combining a lot of animals, but you've got a ton of Bitcoin is what I'm trying to say. And for the scenario, let's say that the Bitcoin is valued at 65,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. You've got tons of these things. So you decide, hey, I'm gonna really make some money. And you convert your Bitcoins into US dollars. You're effectively selling your Bitcoins back into the market. You make billions of dollars because you've got so many Bitcoins. But by offloading all those Bitcoins, it causes the value of Bitcoin itself to drop down and it ends up settling around $56,000 per Bitcoin. Now you buy back all those Bitcoins you sold plus some extra because you've made a lot of US dollars and now the Bitcoin compared to the US dollar is worth slightly less than it was before. So you can actually buy more of it and then you just wait for the Bitcoin value to grow again. So occasionally you might dump a ton of cryptocurrency dropping the value of the currency as the pro in the process, then buy it back and make it into a long-term investment. That means like you'd be safe from stuff. I mean, if worst case scenario, you, you just get out of the market, you've got billions of dollars, which you can, you know, do whatever you want with, but it, other investors could end up suffering at least 
in the short term. So it's it's a a move that a lot of people in the cryptocurrency community consider to be um, dirty pool, I guess you could say. Meanwhile, one problem that Bitcoin has, whether the value is high or low, is that the process of mining Bitcoins requires a lot of electricity. And this is directly tied to Bitcoin's value. So we have to talk about how Bitcoin mining works from a very, very high level. So essentially, the way Bitcoin mining works is that computers all connected to the Bitcoin network compete against each other in an effort to guess a really big number. Now I'm oversimplifying a bit here, but that's the basic idea. So the computer that does guess the correct really big number first effectively verifies a block of transactions for the blockchain and is rewarded in return with a certain number of Bitcoins. The number of Bitcoins gradually decreases over time, but right now it's at 6.25 Bitcoins per block and about 144 blocks get mined every single day. And since each Bitcoin is worth more than $50,000, that adds up to a lot of money. So if you buy a really fast computer, like screamingly fast, even if that means you're sinking thousands of dollars into buying that computer, you could potentially make all that back through mining as long as your computer is faster than all the others on the Bitcoin network at guessing that really big number. Except we are well beyond talking about just fast computers. We're now up to fast computer networks and server farms running multiple graphics processing units in parallel trying to guess these numbers. And these networks require an enormous amount of electricity as they try to be the first to get to that solution before any other computer can manage it. As the price of Bitcoin goes up, the competition gets more fierce. Now, at some point, we should reach a stage in which the rewards you get from mining a block will be small enough that the computer systems will drop off the network because it would actually cost more money to run the systems than you would make in mining. So you would be a, it would be a losing proposition. You'd be spending more money just paying for electricity than you would get out of the successful blocks that you mined. At that point, the number that computers have to guess will actually be easier to guess. Uh, the guessing game gets harder as more computational power is directed at getting the right answer. It's a dynamic system, which is pretty cool. But this means that more electricity goes into mining Bitcoins right now than is used by some countries on a daily basis. That blows my mind. Well, China recently responded to this problem. Inner Mongolia is the world leader when it comes to Bitcoin mining. It's responsible for 8% of all Bitcoin mining largely because Inner Mongolia is an industrial region within China. You've got a lot of fossil fuel mining and uh, power companies located in Inner Mongolia. So electricity in Inner Mongolia is significantly cheaper than it is in other parts of the world. So that means that your profit margins of running a mining cryptocurrency operation in Inner Mongolia are much better. You're spending less money just to run the systems. Uh, the United States, by the way, is at 7.2% of all Bitcoin mining. So that shows you Inner Mongolia, just one region in China, is responsible for more Bitcoin mining than the entire United States. Well, now China has banned cryptocurrency mining in Inner Mongolia because 
the electricity requirements have led to increased fossil fuel consumption. China has also struggled between supporting cryptocurrency as a potential way for the country to generate wealth versus the fact that as a deregulated, decentralized commodity, the Chinese government doesn't really have regulatory authority over the currency itself. And man, this just shows that it's tough when your greed does battle with your authoritarian sensibilities. My heart goes out to China. Over in the UK, a regulatory body called the CMA, which focuses on preventing, you know, anti-competitive practices, raised concerns about NVIDIA's acquisition of microchip designer ARM. Now, according to CMA, the concern is that the sale of ARM could potentially create national security issues for the United Kingdom. ARM, I should point out, originated in the UK. And the digital secretary, Oliver Dowden, has issued an intervention notice, essentially putting the acquisition on hold so that the CMA might ponder whether there would be any national security issues should the sale go through. But NVIDIA was to purchase ARM from the Japanese mega company SoftBank, which first acquired ARM back in 2016. So I guess the concern is that a non-UK company might purchase a UK-based company from a different non-UK company. I mean, if if SoftBank could acquire ARM and there were no national security issues stopping that acquisition, why does that potentially change when the, the company doing the acquisition is NVIDIA? Still, I think it's appropriate to scrutinize big acquisition deals because there's always a chance that such a deal will reduce competition in the market, which gives consumers fewer choices. It leads to some pretty lousy consequences for everybody apart from whatever company holds the monopoly. I just didn't anticipate the national security angle. I think it's a good reason to look into it. I just, I mean, I don't see where national security comes in. However, I also admit I am not an expert on these matters and I could really be missing something really obvious. Finally, starting today, certain Xbox Cloud Ultimate subscribers who have a Windows 10 PC or an Apple phone or tablet will be able to stream a selection of about 100 Xbox games to those devices over browsers like Google Chrome, Safari, or of course, Microsoft Edge. The company is opening this up gradually, and so the first folks who will get a chance to test this out will be a limited selection of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers who should be on the lookout for an email notification from Microsoft. Players will need a game controller that can connect to their computer via USB or Bluetooth. Uh, fun fact, that includes PlayStation 4 controllers, so you can finally play Xbox games on the inferior PlayStation game controller. Yeah, I know, that's an opinion. It's not a fact. A lot of folks probably disagree. They love the PS4 controller, but while I felt the PS4 was an improvement over earlier PlayStation controllers, I still don't like those controllers very much. I find them really cramped. Anyway, it's been a couple of years since Microsoft really invested heavily in game streaming with the Xbox Cloud service, which was previously called Project xCloud. Uh, subscription models bring in a guaranteed revenue month after month. I mean, typically you can only sell a video game once to each customer, unless you're me and you happen to be one of those people who buys the same game multiple times for different platforms. I have done that, but most of the time you can only sell a game once. 
If you do have a game that has a subscription model, you know, like some online games, it's a little bit different. But this is a way for Microsoft to generate an enormous amount of revenue month after month. It becomes a kind of guaranteed income source. And when it comes to the ultimate subscription, you're looking at a $15 per month fee. Uh, I am an Xbox uh, Game Pass subscriber, but I, I don't have the ultimate subscription. I think I have the basic. So I will not be part of this initial round. Uh, I will have to wait. But uh, in return for your subscription, you do have access to 100 titles that you can stream to your Xbox console or starting today for some of y'all, just not me, a browser, which is pretty nifty. Okay, so that's all the news I have for you for Tuesday, April 20th. That's kind of a lie. I actually had a couple of other stories, but I didn't want to run too long. But stay tuned this week. You will get another news episode later in the week. And if you have any suggestions for topics I should cover on Tech Stuff, reach out to me on Twitter. The handle is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.